The scripture reading today is from Psalm 62, verses 5 through 8. Find rest, O my soul, in God alone. My hope comes from God. God alone is my rock and my salvation. God is my fortress. I will not be shaken. My salvation and my honor depend on God. God is my mighty rock, my refuge. Trust in God at all times, O people. Pour out your hearts to God, for God is our refuge. I will read our second scripture from the book of Matthew, chapter 5, verses 17 through 20. Do not think that I have come to abolish the law or the prophets. I have come not to abolish, but to fulfill. For truly I tell you, until heaven and earth pass away, not one letter, not one stroke of a letter will pass from the law until all is accomplished. Therefore, whoever breaks one of the least of these commandments and teaches others to do the same will be called least in the kingdom. But whoever does them and teaches them will be called great in the kingdom of heaven. For I tell you, unless your righteousness exceeds that of the scribes and the Pharisees, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. The word of God for the people of God. It is good to be here this morning. Although it feels a little strange to be up here rather than in back where I normally sit. And I do notice here at the second service I will be preaching to the choir. So we've got that down. Now, I do want you to be comfortable, so if you want to slouch down a little bit, you want to cross your feet, however you want to get comfortable, that is just fine. At the same time, I hope you're alert and paying attention, and uh, towards that aim, we're going to begin with a call and response. The call is my part. This is the day the Lord has made. You get to do the response. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. Somebody already knows it. Are we ready? This is the day the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. This is the day that the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. Really let God hear you now. This is the day that the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. Amen. This is the day that the Lord has made. On this day, I'm going to take you on a little bit of a journey. It's my journey, and yet I think along the way there will be things that also make it your journey as well. Not only things that I have experienced, but things that we have shared together. We'll start this journey with our scripture reading today from Matthew chapter 5, especially verse 17. Because verse 17 always grabs my attention. And it should, should strike you as something strange here. What does Jesus say? 
I've not come to abolish the law or the prophets. Not even what we used to call a jot or a tittle in the law is going to change. Not even a dot over the letter I. The law is the law and will be the law. And I say, wait a minute. Is that our relationship with God? Isn't our relationship with God based upon God's grace, that gift of love, and our faith? And indeed, if we look back to Galatians, for example, what does Paul say? Paul says we are no longer under the law. We have nothing to do with the law. And Jesus is saying, I've not come to abolish the law. It's still here. Hmm. I have to start then by thinking about Jesus. What do we know about Jesus? Certainly we affirm that Jesus is fully divine, but also fully human. Jesus lived a human life at the basic level, much like you and I live. Jesus had good days and bad days. Jesus had ups and downs, joys and sorrows. Jesus laughed and Jesus cried. And Jesus had something that you and I strive for, and that is a deep, deep relationship with God. And I think this relationship that Jesus developed grew over time, year by year, that he had these deep, intense experiences of God's love until ultimately God and God's love was an ever-present reality in his life. Jesus was in love with God. In fact, I think we could even say Jesus was intoxicated on God's love. And that's a pretty good way to be intoxicated. So we have Jesus, this lover of God. So when he's talking about the law, my next question had to be, well, what law is he talking about? We do make some assumptions, but what is the law that Jesus is talking about? We could start up kind of at the top, at the uh, ultimate formulation of the law during his time and place. This would be the law of the scribes and the Pharisees. They strove to be righteous. They strove to obey God's law in every tiny aspect of their lives. Well, to do that, they created hundreds of little tiny rules and guidelines and regulations. Some of them written, some of them oral but they covered every aspect of life. For example, uh, take the Sabbath. What is it to work on the Sabbath? Can you light a fire? No, that would be work. Can you cook? No, you cannot cook. Can you pick fruit from the vine? You cannot. But if you happen to spill a bowl of fruit, you can pick it up and put it back in the bowl. And what about going for a little Sabbath walk? Especially on a pretty sunny day. Could you go for a Sabbath walk? Yes and no. <laughs> you could go for a Sabbath walk as long as it was no more than about two-fifths of a mile. 
that's okay. Any more than that, that's work. So don't get stuck out there too far. Jesus grew up in a culture of scribes and Pharisees. He saw how they lived. He saw how they treated other people. He was quite aware of all their rules. And what did Jesus have to say to the scribes and the Pharisees? We could jump ahead about oh, a bunch of verses to verse 23, or chapter 23 rather. Jump ahead to chapter 23 in Matthew. And here's what Jesus says to the scribes and Pharisees. Woe unto you. Seven times he says, woe unto you, you hypocrites, you brood of vipers, woe unto you, you tithe from the tiniest leaves of your mint and your dill, but you ignore the essence of the law, you ignore justice, you ignore mercy, you ignore faithfulness. Woe unto you, you lay great burdens upon people's shoulders and do nothing to help. Woe unto you, you cannot enter the kingdom of God and you stand in the way of other people entering. This law of the scribes and the Pharisees was not the law Jesus is talking about and we're going to brush that away. Takes us down a level. Where are we at now? How about the law of Jewish scripture, the law of the Old Testament? We find that mostly in Deuteronomy and Leviticus. If you've read through Leviticus, there's lots and lots of rules and regulations. Some of them can concern temple worship and sacrifice. Some of them are more cultic. What defines one is uh, being Jewish and what you wear and what you eat. And some of them are laws dealing with how you interact with people the laws of the Old Testament. What about that? Well, we could look at what the prophets had to say. Briefly, Isaiah, in chapter 58, said, I'm not interested in, in your fasting, in your false piety. What does God want? He wants you to break the chains of oppression, to set the captives free to feed the hungry, to clothe the naked. And there's our Micah 6 verse, to do justice, to love mercy, to walk humbly with God. This is what is important. And we've changed the law, we've changed it a lot. No more temple worship, no more sacrifices, none of that. We don't follow the cultic laws in what we eat and how we dress. We've even changed the behavioral laws. For example, it talks about how we should treat our slaves. Well, we've decided that having slaves is not in keeping with God's love. And finally, what did Jesus do? Has anybody read ahead a little bit, a little further in chapter 5? Jesus says, concerning different aspects of the law, Jesus says, you have heard it said, but I say unto you. You have heard it said, but I say unto you. And he makes changes. Six times he does this. Jesus changes the law. 
I think we can also brush away the law of the Hebrew Scriptures of the Old Testament. Takes us a little deeper. What are we down to now? How about the Ten Commandments? We do speak of the Ten Commandments, give lip service to the Ten Commandments. But do we have them posted in our sanctuary? Do we repeat them on Sunday morning? And do we really know them? Honestly, if you stop me in the hall some Sunday morning and say, Hey, David, what are the Ten Commandments? I'm going to go, let's see. And I'll probably get four, five, six, maybe seven. But honestly, most of us are not going to get all ten. They're not foundational in our faith. And when we look at the law, whether it's all the rules and regulations of scribes and Pharisees, all the rules and regulations of the Old Testament, even the ten rules of the Ten Commandments, they fail to do the most important thing. Jesus knew they could not define, they could not encompass, they could not describe this relationship of love that Jesus had with God. A relationship of love is not about rules and commands and laws. So, I'm going to brush away the Ten Commandments too. Hmm, where does that leave us? I'd say that leaves us right down at the very bottom, at the foundation, right down at bedrock, which is where we should be. And here we have what Jesus said was the foundation of absolutely everything else, fundamental to absolutely everything else, the most basic of basics. And as Jackie told us, that is to love God, to love our neighbor, and to love ourselves. That is what is important. That is what is foundational. And I believe that that is what Jesus is talking about when he says that the law is unchanging. Because Jesus knew that the only way he could respond to God's love was to love God in return, to love his neighbors regardless of who they were, and to love himself. That is unchanging. The same yesterday, today, and tomorrow. Not even the dot over the eye and neighbor is going to change. Love God. Love your neighbor. Love yourself. Now, is that easy to do? Not always. Sometimes it's difficult. Sometimes it's hard. Sometimes it's challenging. But I know that when it works, for me it is a wonderful thing. It's an incredible thing to be loving God, loving neighbors, loving myself. When it works, it is really awesome. And sometimes it doesn't work. Sometimes it doesn't work. On June 2nd, I came to worship here, and I learned that 
Five members of our family had been summarily fired. And that hurt. And suddenly there was all this doubt and all this confusion, all this hurt, all this anger. And people that I respected and loved were hurting other people that I respected and loved. And there was recriminations. And other people that I love hurting people that I love. And it was this huge chain reaction of people I love hurting people I love hurting people I love. And yes, I was hurt. I was angry. I was confused. But most of all, I was so sad. For you see, this church had been my sanctuary from the chaos of the world and the chaos of the nation and the chaos of my own life. It's where I came to be encouraged to love and given the energy to love. And suddenly, it was enveloped in chaos. So for the next 20-some weeks, every time I walked up to the building, every time I walked through the doors, a little voice said, David, you don't belong here. David, This is not your home. And let me tell you, that was really hard. So why did I keep coming back? It's a good question. Except two things. I need communion. I have to have that tangible reminder of my relationship with God. The bread and the wine and the ritual. It feeds me. I came for communion. And I came back again and again because you wouldn't leave me alone. You wouldn't leave me alone. You know, some Sunday somebody would come up and say, hey, it's good to see you here. Another Sunday somebody would smile and nod across the room. Somebody would say, I'm glad you're here. Somebody would say, how are you doing? And there were Sundays when three or four of you would gang up on me. In your hurt, your confusion, your pain, you continued to reach out and love me. And I kept coming back. And then, it's the end of October, last Sunday of October, it's All Saints Day. And I got the same message coming in, I don't belong here. But one of my favorite hymns, For All the Saints, and we sang it that day, and I sang it. I probably scared some of the people around me, but I sang that hymn. And then I sat back, as I kind of did, and just kind of watched the goings-on until communion. Walked down front, got the bread, the wine, and I carried it back because I need to feel it and see it and smell it and give thanks to God. And I ate. And in an instant, as I ate, God made three things crystal clear to me in an instant. Number one, what I had is gone. However we want to define it, Whatever that sanctuary did look like, the relationships did look like, whatever, whatever everything was, it was gone. 
Okay. The second thing was, I'm not getting it back. We can't undo what has been done. We can't roll the clock backwards. We can't change what has happened. I'm not getting back what was. The third thing, which kind of blew me away, was three words. And it's okay. What? I've lost everything I thought I had here. I'm not getting it back. And God says, and it's okay. And in that instant, I felt this burden lift from me. I felt this sense of peace. And every time I come through the doors now, I feel that I'm at home. Now, why is it okay? I had no idea. God didn't tell me. God just said, yeah, you've lost everything. You're not getting it back, but it's okay. And it was. It was okay. But in in working with the reading for today, I think I know a, a reason why it is okay. And I think the reason it's okay is the foundation holds. The foundation has not changed. The foundation is still there. God loves me. And out of that love, my only response can be to love God, to love my neighbors, and to love myself. And I think that's why it's okay to love God, love my neighbor, love myself. It's still there. It hasn't changed. So we're in this in-between time of, of what was, and we are journeying, and we don't know what's there, this time of Liminality, as it was called several weeks ago. This time of confusion, this time of sometimes frustration, still times of hurt. But it's okay, because we can love God and love our neighbor and love ourselves on this journey. Now, I thought we were getting maybe a little bit closer. I don't know now. In December, Pastor Heather had to leave. And suddenly there was more hurt, more confusion, some anger, some disappointment, all these feelings and emotions. And we're going to have to deal with them. We're going to have to work through them. But that's okay. Because as we do, we're going to love God and love our neighbors and we're going to love ourselves. Pretty quick, we're going to get an interim pastor, and that is good news. That's going to bring more change. There's going to be more uncertainty. Things are going to be a little different. It's going to be okay. Why? We're going to love God and love our neighbor and love ourselves. Down the road, wherever down the road is, we will have a new lead pastor. And that's going to be exciting. It's also going to be scary because it's more change, more uncertainty more doubts. And along the way in this journey, we've got things to work on. We've got our own feelings and emotions, our own ideas. We're going to bump into each other every now and then. We're going to hurt each other once in a while. But it's okay. Because the foundation holds. God loves us, and we will love God. We will love our neighbors, 
we will love ourselves. And so here I am, loving God, loving you. Oh, loving you and loving myself. I began with a call and response. I would like to end the same way. The call will be, God made this day. The response will evolve a little bit. The response will be, and I will love God. And I will love my neighbor. And I will love myself. Are you ready? Okay. God made this day, and I will love God. God made this day, and I will love my neighbor. God made this day, and I will love myself. Amen. Amen. And amen.